Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Of Lakeshore is to reach and connect people through Christ so that love is confirmed, hope is renewed, and faith comes to life. We get this from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, And now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Today's message is not about love, it's about faith, but it's really important to hear this, right? God loves you. Your faith is built upon that love. God loves you. He loves you just the way you are. He doesn't want us to stay the way we are. He wants us to grow, right? He wants us to experience spiritual maturity, So if you can begin just to grasp how much God loves you, God the creator of the world, the same God who spoke into existence day and night and water and air with just mere words, that same God loves you, right? And if you can begin to understand that, your hope will be renewed in the Father's love for you, right? Awaken in your faith an immovable, bold, unbreakable faith in all that God is and all that he wants to do in your life. That's that's what's meant by our topic today, Faith Awakened. And this concept of faith is, it's, it's huge, it's heavy, right? What exactly is it? Um, it's all throughout the Bible. It's such a huge foundational concept of Christianity. We can barely tip of the iceberg today, right? So, um, but it was so important because it's by faith that we access the unseen promises of God. For example, in Ephesians 2.8, it says, for grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Matthew 21.22 excuse me, says, And whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, It's impossible to please God without faith. 1 John 5.4 says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. And Mark 10.52 says, Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. If you would turn with me today to our main text, it's in the top of the book on page five or six. Um, Romans 1, 16 through 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For in it, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's from one level of faith to another level of faith. As is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You see, God wants our faith to develop, to come alive, to become stronger. But to do that, we have to understand a few things. We have to understand some things about our biblical or our spiritual faith. In the world, we all experience natural faith. And that faith is built upon our five senses, right, kids? What's our five senses? Sight, hearing, smell, touch, right? Um, for taste. For example, we have confidence. We take it for granted that every single day when we wake up, the sun's going to come over that horizon and it's going to rise up, right? Why do we know that? Because we've seen it every single day with our eyes every single morning. But spiritual or biblical faith is different, right? It's rooted in what you cannot see. It's depending upon us leaning in and learning to live from God and not from our five senses, not from the natural. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. This is an active faith. It shows up in our main verse today. Romans 1, 17, 
it says, from faith to faith, each of us on a different level of faith as you move from one level to another. Trusting and building your relationship with God, following him. You see, God wants us to grow in faith. Today's message um, is titled, the subtitle is A Person of Faith. We're taking a look at a few questions and unpacking a bit on how we can become a people, a church, a body of faith, how we can grow in our relationship with the Lord and learn to lean on him. There's three fundamental questions we're going to ask today. What is faith? Excuse me. Um, How do we get faith and where does faith come from? So first of all, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Again, unseen, right? Faith is the substance or confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word faith in here is translated from a Greek word. It's pistis. That Greek word pistis means to be convinced or persuaded of something to the point of action. Convinced or persuaded to the point of action. So faith and belief are often used kind of the same, right? A lot of us, if you ask someone normally, they would say it's the same thing, faith and belief, but it's not. The Bible is very clear. New Testament highlights the fact that believing something to be true is not faith until it moves the person into action, right? James 2.17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He goes on to say in James 2.26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see, believing something to be true is just believing in the fact of that, right? Faith is having complete confidence in that fact to the point where it moves you into action. You're willing to apply it and live it out throughout your life. So you might be asking yourself, can I believe in something but not have faith? And if you're following me, if I'm making any kind of sense, the answer says yes, right? Obviously, you can believe in something but not have faith. For example, Raise your hand if you believe that it's possible for a person to jump out of a plane with a parachute on their back, pull the cord 30,000 feet, fly down, and land safely on the ground. Raise your hands if you believe that's possible. Everybody almost agrees. Everybody's got their hand up. That's a fact, right? That can happen. Now, keep your hand up if you're willing to act on that fact. If you're willing to go skydiving after service today, I can line it up if you're willing to do it. (laughs) A couple of adventurous people out there, but for the most part, not a lot of people are willing to act on that belief, right? That requires faith. And that's worldly faith. It's a little bit different, but it's still, you get the point. It requires faith to act on the fact of what you believe. So can Christians believe in God but lack faith in him? It's a tough question, right? And I don't want to step on toes, so I'll speak for myself and I'll be vulnerable. Um, Of course it is, right? I challenge you to look inside as I'm telling this story, but there's certainly been times in my life where um, my belief in God's promise was there. I wasn't questioning the fact that God can do these things, but I was questioning my faith and his ability to see me specifically through those certain times, right? Some of you may know this because I think I've spoken on this before, um, but I'm, I'm not an ordained pastor. Um, I love hanging with the kids, and I love teaching them about God and, and, and pouring my heart out to them. Um, but this is, this is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it's not natural. Um, my wife and Krista and I have been in children's ministry for just about nine years now, and, and we're comfortable there. Like I said, we've grown into it. Um, we love what we're doing. A couple of years ago, Pastor Robert called me on a Saturday afternoon. Um, he never really calls on Saturday afternoons. So I knew he wanted something. Answer the phone. And he says that the Lord has put it on his heart 
to ask me to bring a message, that there's something inside of me that he wants to bring out and bring alive. And almost immediately, in my natural, no way. You got the wrong guy. You must have called the wrong number. Who do you think this is? Like, there's no way I can do this. Um, And almost immediately as well, I could feel the spirit inside me convicting me and telling me, you know you can do this. You know there's something more. You know that I want to pour into you. Um, So out of respect for Pastor Robert, I didn't say no right away, against my better judgment probably (laughs) at the moment. Um, I didn't have any unbelief, right, that God could see me through. I believe that God could see me through that situation, but I was unsure. What about X? What about Y? I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm anxious, right? Can I do these things? I never once doubted God in the moment, but I doubted my ability to be obedient to what he was calling me to. You see, faith requires obedience of us following what God is trying to do. Being unsteady or uneasy doesn't deny our Christianity, but rather reveals our humanity in the moment. So over the next couple of weeks, I took extra time to spend with the Lord. I read my Bible, I prayed, I talked to my wife, I talked to other believers who didn't necessarily know what I was going through, but through those conversations, it was revealed to me and confirmed to me of what I needed to do, right? In the end, I said yes, and because of it, my faith grew stronger. I learned to rely on the Lord. I learned that there's nothing that he can't see me through if I would just trust and be obedient to that, right? I grouped uh, some faith coins in my spiritual bank, if you will, right, that I can rely upon, um, So hopefully that's encouraging for you all. I'm sure you have an area in your life where the Lord wants to move, where he's been poking you and trying to awaken your faith. If you want to take it to the next level, to step deeper into what God has for you, it's going to take for your faith to be awakened, for your faith to be put into action. If you think about your favorite uh, heroes from the Bible, uh, Moses split the Red Sea by faith. That's an, an Unbelievable thing that you could split a sea in half, right? David defeated Goliath. This little boy defeated this giant that killed everyone in the army, right? Daniel spent all night in a lion's den with hungry lions. Impossible things in the natural. But if we put our faith in God and we're willing to act on what we believe, God can use us for great things, right? It took that action to be put into motion to bring to fruition what the Lord wanted to do in their life. So here's a, a quick person of faith test to, you can ask yourself, right? Do my actions and do what I live out every day align with what I believe? For example, I believe that the word of God is an important part of my spiritual growth. And so therefore, I read it every day, right? Belief and action of applying it in your life. I believe that gathering regularly with other believers is a discipline that's part of my spiritual growth, right? Going to fellowships, going to connection groups, and therefore I attend these gatherings regularly. Does my belief, my actions, excuse me, line up with my beliefs? I believe that prayer is a vital part of my worship, my connection with God. It's how I receive and how I um, express my needs and wants and hopes and aspirations. It increases my faith in God and a love for others, so I pray daily. Faith and action, you can't disconnect the two. If you believe in something, you have to be willing to act it out if you want it to turn into strong faith. So that's that's faith. That's what is faith. Now, where does faith come from? Um, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This, This word, word in here, 
word, word, it's kind of duplicative, but the word, word in here is a Greek word, rhema. And rhema literally means it's a word that is uttered by a living or spoken voice. Who knows that they call God's word? This is a living and active word, right? It's not just words on a page. This is God breathed from the Father himself, spirit inspired, right? And so when we talk about faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of God, they're talking about this word of God that's uttered by a living or spoken voice. Maybe you've experienced, I know I sure have, um, sometimes you're in the church service and whatever the pastor is speaking about, you feel like whatever you're going through, he's literally speaking directly to you, right? He's literally addressing your situation. It's just so clear in the moment of what you need to do or what the Lord is calling to you. It's happened to me when I'm reading my Bible sometimes. I'm down there and I've read the passage maybe a hundred times. And sometimes, if I'm being honest, I'm reading it and it's just words on a page. But there's other times when you read it and it is so clear, the meaning of it and what the Father, how it applies for my life and what the Lord and the Father and the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. It's, it's almost overwhelming when those moments come about. I know for me personally, I get this overwhelming sense of emotion and I just, I literally just pour crying out of my eyes. I, I can't overwhelm it. The, the thought that God and the Spirit would love me so much to give me that revelation and to pour those words of wisdom and life into me is, is absolutely amazing. But that's a rhema moment. Um, the Holy Spirit's taken the word of God and spoken it to your heart with an astonishing clarity, right? The light has come on. It's like someone turned that light on and you were in the dark before and all of a sudden you can see so clearly of what you need to do. That's because God, through the Spirit, has given you spiritual insight, right? This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 10:7 when he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Rhema, when the Holy Spirit speaks the word of God to your spirit, it's become a rhema word. Faith begins to arise and will become powerful inside of you if you would just be obedient to follow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. If you've been born again by the spirit of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. How many of us know that? The Holy Spirit lives within you. The same Holy Spirit, the same faith and the same words of, of life, the same words of aspiration that Moses and David and Daniel had are inside of you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter anything. Where, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. That same Holy Spirit is available to all of us. He will bring the word of God to you today with such an amazing clarity that it will change your life forever. Adding to this truth, Jesus said in John 16, 7, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. This is before he went into the garden and prayed on the night of the Last Supper. Excuse me. Jesus was in the flesh with the disciples. They could build a relationship. They could learn to trust him just like we do in the natural, right? If I'm going to talk to my wife, I go in a room and I talk to her. If I'm going to talk to my neighbor, I can call her on the phone and I can talk to her. It's a little bit different now, right? Now we have the Spirit. And you would say, well, that's a bad thing. It's not because the Spirit is omnipresent. He can be with all of us and inside of all of us, live inside you where Jesus was a one-on-one thing. He couldn't be with two disciples at once. 
And so that's what, what Jesus is saying here. It's good for you if I go away because the Spirit is coming. There's one, one word in this sentence that I want to kind of harp in on. And it's the word convict. It's kind of a legal term. You guys have, I'm sure, heard it before. Uh, but in this context, it means to cross-examine a person or a witness on a stand until he's brought to a place of confrontation where he cannot deny the facts. To cross-examine someone until they cannot deny the facts of what you're trying to say, the facts or the belief. So Jesus lists three areas that the Holy Spirit will perform this conviction or this cross-examination. He says he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. You see, the Holy Spirit sheds light on the unbeliever. We were all there one type, one point in our lives. We were lost. We needed the Lord to step in and help us see of how much we were lost, how much we needed the Lord, how much he loved us. John 3.16 says, so God so loved the world, he gave his son, whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. And so that's what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. The, the primary sin in the world is unbelief. John 3.18 goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so we're talking about, again, where does faith come from? How do I build my faith? The first step in building that faith is taking a step of action and allowing the Lord to come into your heart, right? Accepting Jesus as your savior and getting to the point of belief, right? Now we have to figure out how to turn that belief in action. So the, the first thing that the Holy Spirit is convic- going to convict you of is he will convict the world of sin or unbelief. Um, how many of us know that God doesn't want us to stay there? Right? Belief is enough to get us into heaven, get us through the gates. Right? It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. Right? True, belief is there. But living that belief out every day, as we were talking about before, and turning it into faith takes the next level. So once you've been saved, once you um, have accepted and believed that God is in your life, the Holy Spirit and his, starts to change his focus of his conviction, of his persuasion and presenting facts to you. He starts to change it into the fact that you're righteous, right? Um, it says he will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. In the natural, when we're saved, do we just automatically change overnight, right? It's going to take some time for us to stop doing the things that we were doing before and start to live out what God wants us to live. And it's going to take some confidence on our side. It's going to take us believing in what the, the Lord is speaking into our hearts. In, in our natural, um, we're weak, right? We're going to have imperfections. Every single day, we're going to fall short of the glory of God, of the standard that Jesus came when he walked on this earth. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of what we just talked about when we took communion, we are judged as righteousness. We are seen as righteous through the Lord, not because of ourselves, because of what God did for us, because of his sacrifice, his, his body and his blood spilled on the cross. And then that's the Holy Spirit's job is to, is to reveal that to us, to convict us of that, present the facts of that so that we can stand righteous and believe in that. Um, the enemy uses that against us, right? He uses it against us from stopping us in believing in what God wants to do in our lives. You're not worthy. You do these things. How could God use you? Right? Sound familiar? Happens all the time. It puts doubt and fear and worry in our, in our, in our life and in our mind. 
but God, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who has no sin be sin for us. To him, to that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So remember, it's not with my righteousness that I'm walking around. I'm walking around with the righteousness of God through what he did in his son Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? And then last but not least, the Holy Spirit will convict of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. This describes the Holy Spirit's work to persuade us that although Satan has a reign of this world, um, that the circumstances we live in at the moment really doesn't control us. Right? Who knows? Who believes that um, we live in an evil world? If you, all you got to do is turn on the news for a couple of minutes. You will see all types of things. Uh, murder, poverty. I mean, it, it's just rampant in the world today. And if we're not careful, we can begin to let that take a hold of us. But 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4 says, For although we live in the world, we do not, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have to be confident in the power and the promises of God and the Holy Spirit living within us. Because in our natural, if we give in to what we see and the circumstances we're in, we'll be broken. But God promises that he'll see you through that. Ephesians 6, 10 through 8 um, speaks about the armor of God. That could be a whole other subject itself, but God gives us spiritual armor, spiritual warfare, spiritual weapons so that we're living in this world. We don't have to worry about those things. Pastor David came up and he did a, a preaching on the armor of God. And one thing that really stood out to me in his preaching um, that was great is everyone talks about the armor of God. And if you read the verse, it says, put on the armor of God so that you're ready to take your stance. But Pastor David brought it in a different light. He says, really, we shouldn't take that armor off. We should walk around with that every day, right? That should be part of our prayer, that the armor of God is with us and we stand righteous. We stand ready to stand against these demon strongholds, these enemy strongholds in the world we live in because of God's sacrifice on the cross. And again, it's the Holy Spirit working within us to build that faith, to build that confidence, to build that conviction of these promises um, that the Lord has given us. So what is faith? It's persuasion. It's It's um, convincing of someone of a fact until that fact turns into an action. Where does faith come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit and the rhema, the spoken word of God in your life, revealing and enforcing these things for you. Last but not least, how how do we get faith? In Mark 4, um, and I'm going to read it. I don't think we have this verse up, but I'll read it for you. It's a little lengthy, but there's a, a parable that Jesus is telling to his disciples. It's called the parable of the seed if you've heard it before. So give me a moment here. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Speaking in kind of in riddles, but 
basically what it means, Mark 4, 14, it says the sower sows the word. The farmer, the sower sows the word. So how do we get faith? By seeds planting in our life, right? The Holy Spirit, through spoken word of God, is planting seeds, right? Regardless of how we receive it, the word, we receive understanding of it by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Four types of soil he talks about. First one is hardened soil in Mark 4, 15. Uh, that represents a person who hears the word but just rejects it, outright rejects it, falls on solid pavement. He said a bird comes along and grasps it up. That bird represents the devil. Coming in, your heart is hardened, and you can't absorb anything he's saying. Um, the second seed in Mark, second type of soil, excuse me, in Mark 4, 16 through 17, talks about a stony or a rocky soil, shallow um, that represents someone who hears the word. You may come on a Sunday morning and you may hear an inspirational message and take it just as that, intellectual, inspirational message, but truly not let it penetrate your soul. When you walk out the doors, if I were to ask you an hour later, you couldn't tell me what the message is about. Sounded good in the moment, but that's it. It's just a fleeting moment, a fleeting thought, um, a, a fleeting um, understanding and grasping of the word. The third type of soil is thorny soil. Um, just a ton going on there. This represents the person whose heart is just, just clouded with too much going on. We live in a busy, busy world, right? I can go on Facebook or YouTube and I can look up anything I want to know about anything at any moment. There's so much that I can be distracted and entertained with. And so thorny soil represents seed that fell. It was received, but your priorities weren't right. You let everything else get in the way of that. And so that word was just pushed out. And last but not least, the fertile soil represents a receptive heart. The word's given, and it's given with deep access. It brings lasting change and ex exponential blessing, right? If we water it, that seed that comes through, it'll start to grow. And sooner or later, a little sapling will come up. And if we continue to water it and give it sunlight and feed it, it'll grow into a tree. And if we continue to water it and give it sunlight and take care of it, it'll grow and produce fruit. Right? Fruit that other people can feed off of. Fruit that can be there for the world. And so that's the type of soil we should be. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's available to everyone. The Holy Spirit, like I said, lives inside of you. In this story, Jesus doesn't talk about a farmer. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The sower or the farmer is the Spirit. It's the ultimate sower of the Word. And his job is to convince and to convict and to show us that Jesus loves us beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? He's willing, he's open, he's ready. It takes us living and acting on our beliefs to bring that to the next level. There's a, uh, a Christian comedian, sounds kind of weird, right? But there's a Christian comedian that I listen to every now and again. I got about an hour drive back and forth to work. And so I try to listen to um, little sermons or things that just to inspire me and, and, and bring me deeper in my relationship. And there's this one comedian named Michael Jr., Maybe you heard of him, maybe not. Look it up after this. I promise you, it's really good. And he tells this story of something called a good room. It's a little anecdotal story. Um, anybody know what a good room is off bat? So a good room is this. In your grandma's house or your mom's house, there was that one room you couldn't go into. It has nice furniture. It's only for the guests to come over, right? As kids, my grandmother would always say, get out of my living room. What are you doing in there, right? Maybe you have plastic on the furniture. That's the good room. It's a room that's meant for guests when they come over. The rest of the house could be a mess. But that good room, it was always spotless, taken care of and ready for everything. And so 
Now we know what the good room is. Everybody got a picture of it? So picture you live in this house and Jesus is standing outside. Your house is a mess inside. Jesus has a bucket. He's got cleaning supplies. He's got a bunch of tools. He's ready to come in and help you out, right? Some people don't even let him in the house. They may go and crack the door open and they may say a prayer with him on Sunday morning and he sits out there waiting. He's ready to come in, but you won't even let him in the house. He's sitting out there for the rest of the week. Maybe it's not even once a week. Maybe it's once a month you crack that door. Some people don't crack the door. They stand on the other side and pray, right? Then there's other people who let Jesus into the house, but they put him in this one room, the good room. They say, you can come into my house, but you can only have access to this one room. And I'm going to stick it up front so when people walk by, they can see that my house is in order. But the rest of the house is a mess, right? There's all type of stuff in this house, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, the things of this world, everything that Jesus wants to help you clean up and reconstruct and change in your life if you would only give him access, right? So fertile soil. We have to make sure that our hearts are receptive, that we're opening the door when Jesus is knocking, that we're letting him in and we're penetrating on that word and we're being open and receptive to the workings of the Holy Spirit. Michael Jr. said, if we would only let Jesus in, to the house, he's not only coming by himself, but he's bringing his subcontractor, the Holy Spirit, to renovate our whole house and make it into this big, huge mansion if we would just be receptive. Well, that's it. Hopefully you've been blessed by the word today. Uh, if you would stand to your feet and join me in prayer. Father, we come before you today Thankful for your presence in this service, Lord. Thankful that you're such a loving God. Anytime we want access to you, Father, all we have to do is open the door. Listen for your knock, Lord. We pray that as we go into this week, we would be a people of action, Father. We would be a people of faith who would lean in, who would take the next step. Father, we know you have so much you want to do in our lives, but it's going to take us stepping out in faith and building upon that, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your word. We're thankful that um, we have other believers. We have a family that you've given us as well, Lord. Faith wasn't meant out to be lived alone. We have people. It says iron sharpens iron, Lord. And so we pray that you would just let us be open to other people. Help us to connect. Help us to build. Help us to see how you want to move in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.